is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Welcome to Holly Weird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. Here are today's headlines. In Los Angeles today, the actor and comedian Phil Hartman was shot to death in his own home, apparently by his wife who then killed herself. They had two children. Police are still trying to figure out exactly what happened, but clearly something went very wrong. Here's ABC's Brian Root. Things are about to get Holly weird. This is the story of the death of Phil Hartman. May 28th, 1998 encino california comedian and actor phil hartman and his wife Bryn are engaged in a heated argument the argument is about drugs and particularly Bryn's return to using phil threatened to leave her if she started using again soon after the argument phil went to bed fast forward to around 3 a.m while phil slept Bryn entered the bedroom with a 38 caliber handgun and shot him twice in the head and once in the side the shots were fatal. Bryn was drunk and had recently taken cocaine at the time of the shooting. Following the shooting, Bryn drove to the home of her friend, Ron Douglas, and confessed to the killing, but initially he did not believe her. The pair drove back to the house in separate cars, and Bryn called another friend and confessed a second time. Upon seeing Hartman's body, Douglas called 911 at 6.20 a.m., Police subsequently arrived and escorted Douglas and the Hartman's two children from the premises, by which time Bryn had locked herself in the bedroom and committed suicide by shooting herself in the mouth. Los Angeles police stated Hartman's death was caused by domestic discord between the couple. A friend stated that Bryn allegedly had trouble controlling her anger and that she, quote, got attention by losing her temper. Some friend. A neighbor of the Hartmans told a CNN reporter that the couple had been experiencing marital problems, saying, quote, It's been building, but I didn't think it would lead to this. Actor Steve Gutenberg said they had been, quote, a very happy couple, and they always had the appearance of being well-balanced. Yeah, well, Gutenberg also said, I'm not bragging, but my movies have grossed well over a billion dollars. Yeah, he's a tool, but... <laughs> Also, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. True. It was later suggested that other factors could have been to blame. Before committing the murder-suicide, Bryn was taking the antidepressant drug Zoloft. A wrongful death lawsuit was filed in 1999 by Bryn's brother Gregory Omdahl against Pfizer, the drug's manufacturer, and her child psychiatrist Arthur Sarosky, who provided samples of Zoloft to Bryn. 
Hartman's friend and former SNL colleague John Lovitz accused Hartman's former news radio co-star Andy Dick of reintroducing Bryn to cocaine, causing her to relapse and suffer a nervous breakdown. Did we need any more proof that Andy Dick is a big old douche? The following year, at the Laugh Factory Comedy Club in Los Angeles, Lovitz and Dick had a further altercation over the issue. Dick asserts that he is not at fault in relation to Hartman's death. Bryn's sister, Catherine Omdahl, and brother-in-law, Mike Wright, raised the two Hartman children. Hartman's will stipulated that each child will receive their inheritance over several years after they turn 25. The total value of Hartman's estate was estimated at $1.23 million. In accordance with Hartman's will, his body was cremated by Forest Law Memorial Park and Mortuary, Glendale, California, and his ashes were scattered over Santa Catalina Island's Emerald Bay. Hartman was widely mourned in Hollywood. NBC executive Don Allmeyer stated that Hartman, quote, was blessed with a tremendous gift for creating characters that made people laugh. Steve Martin said he was, quote, a deeply funny and very happy person. In 2007, Entertainment Weekly ranked Hartman the 87th greatest television icon of all time, and Maxim named Hartman the top Saturday Night Live performer of all time. In 2015, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Hartman as one of the top 10 greatest Saturday Night Live cast members throughout the show's 40-year history, coming in 7th on their list of 141 players. The season 5 premiere episode of News Radio, called Bill Moves On, finds Hartman's character Bill McNeil has died of a heart attack, while the other characters reminisce about his life. John Lovitz joined the show in his place from the following episode. A special episode of Saturday Night Live commemorating Hartman's work on the show aired on June 13, 1998. And rather than substituting another voice actor, the writers of The Simpsons retired Hartman's characters. In June of 2013, it was announced that Hartman would receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which was unveiled on August 26, 2014. We know how it ended, but how did things get there? Time to rewind. Philip Edward Hartman was born on September 24, 1948 in Bradford, Ontario, Canada. He was the fourth of eight children of Doris and Rupert Hartman. As a child, Hartman found affection hard to earn and stated, I suppose I didn't get what I wanted out of my family life, so I started seeking love and attention elsewhere. He and his family moved to the United States in 1958, gaining American citizenship in 1990. The family first lived in Connecticut and later moved to the West Coast. There, Hartman attended Westchester High School and frequently acted as the class clown. Can you just imagine all the opportunities he's had to learn accents? Canadian, New England, Californian? Comedy gold. Comedy gold. After graduating, Hartman spent time as a roadie with a rock band. 
Hartman married Gretchen Lewis in 1970, and they divorced sometime before 1972. He returned to school in 1972, this time to study graphic arts at California State University, Northridge. He developed his own graphic arts business, creating over 40 album covers for bands, including Poco and America, as well as advertising, and the logo for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Working alone as a graphic artist, Hartman frequently amused himself with quote-unquote flights of voice fantasies. Citing the need for a more social outlet for his talents, Hartman, then 27, began in 1975 to attend evening comedy classes run by the California-based improvisational comedy group, The Groundlings. While watching one of the troupe's performances, Hartman impulsively decided to climb on the stage and join the cast. After several years of training, paying his way by redesigning the group's logo and merchandise, Hartman formally joined the cast of The Groundlings. By 1979, he had become one of the show's stars. He married real estate agent Lisa Strain in 1972, and their marriage lasted three years. Strain told People that Hartman was reclusive off-screen and would disappear emotionally. He'd be in his own world. That passivity made you crazy. Hartman met comedian Paul Rubens and the two became friends, often collaborating on comedic material. Together, they created the character Pee Wee Herman and developed The Pee Wee Herman Show. Shut up. I didn't know that Phil Hartman created Pee Wee. I know. Crazy, right? That's cool. If you're into that. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Hartman played Captain Carl on the Pee Wee Herman show and returned in the role for the children's show Pee Wee's Playhouse. Hartman co-wrote the script for the 1985 feature film Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and had a cameo role as a reporter in the film. Although he had considered quitting acting by the age of 36 due to limited opportunities, the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure brought new possibilities and changed his mind. After a creative falling out with Rubens, Hartman left the Pee-wee Herman project to pursue other roles. What is it about Pee-wee Herman that's so creepy? I think so. Like, what we know about the actor? I think so. Yeah. But also, like, there is something kind of, like, dark about it in general. Yeah. But also, I mean, is, like, an adult man acting in that childish manner is creepy. Maybe that's it. My mom... <laughs> listeners, tell me that you remember um, Stuart from Mad TV. So he was supposed to be a seven-year-old boy, but my mom, like, never picked up on that. So she was like, oh, I hate that. I hate that character. It's so disgusting. And I was like, hi, mom. And I guess she thought that he was, like, trying... Because he, like, makes sexual jokes, too, doesn't he? Well, unintentionally, because he doesn't know what, like, sex is. Right. Seven. But my mom, like, somehow missed that part of it. 
that's kind of what Pee Wee Herman is to me because there's always yeah. like kind of like sinisterish like element right. to but it. Pee Wee's supposed to be an adult, right? But then he makes like the sex jokes and stuff. And then also, what's his name got caught masturbating in like a porno theater. After appearing in the 1986 films Jumpin' Jack Flash and Three Amigos, Hartman successfully auditioned for NBC's variety show Saturday Night Live and joined the cast and writing staff. It's Saturday Night Live! In his eight seasons with the show, Hartman became known for his impressions and performed as over 70 different characters. Hartman's original Saturday Night Live characters included Gene, the anal retentive chef, and unfrozen caveman lawyer. His celebrity impressions included Frank Sinatra, Ronald Reagan, Ed McMahon, Barbara Bush, Charlton Heston, Phil Donahue, and Bill Clinton. The last was often considered his best-known impression. All right, boys. Let's stop in here for a second. I'm a little parched from the jog. Uh, sir, we've only been jogging for three blocks. Besides, Mrs. Clinton asked us not to let you into any more fast food places. Well, I just want to mingle with the American people, talk with some real folks, maybe get a Diet Coke or something. All right, fine. But please, don't tell Mrs. Clinton. Jim, let me tell you something. There's going to be a whole bunch of things we don't tell, Mrs. Clinton. When he met Clinton in 1993, Hartman remarked, I guess I owe you a few apologies. Clinton showed good humor and sent Hartman a signed photo with the text, You're not the president, but you play one on TV. And you're okay, mostly. Backstage at SNL, Hartman was called the glue. He won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing for a Variety, Music, or Comedy Program for SNL in 1989, sharing the award with the show's other writers. Cast turnover contributed to his leaving the show in 1994. Hartman had originally planned to leave the show in 1991, but Lorne Michaels convinced him to stay to raise his profile. Jay Leno offered him the role of his sidekick on The Tonight Show, but Hartman opted to stay on SNL. NBC persuaded him to stay on SNL by promising him his own comedy variety show entitled The Phil Show. Before production began, however, the network decided that variety shows were too unpopular and scrapped the series. In a 1996 interview, Hartman noted that he was glad the show had been scrapped. Hartman became one of the stars of the NBC sitcom News Radio in 1995, portraying radio news anchor Bill McNeil. Although the show was critically acclaimed, it was never a ratings hit and cancellation was a regular threat. Although the show was renewed for a fifth season, Hartman died before production began. Hartman was posthumously nominated for the Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series in 1998. Hartman provided the voices for numerous characters on the Fox animated series The Simpsons, appearing in 52 episodes. Hartman married former model and aspiring actress Bryn Omdahl, born Vicki Jo Omdahl, in November 1987, having met her on a blind date the previous year. 
Together, they had two children, Sean and Bergen Hartman. The marriage had difficulties. Brynn reportedly felt intimidated by her husband's success and was frustrated that she could not find any of her own. Hartman considered retiring to save the marriage. He tried to get Brynn acting roles, but she became progressively more reliant on narcotics and alcohol, entering rehab several times. It's time for Hollyweird Post-Mortem. Phil Hartman was a funny man who made us laugh with his impersonations, but why is the story of the death of the man behind the facade one that lingers? Here's our best guess. Liz, do you watch SNL? Of course I do. So, Phil Hartman makes all the lists of best SNL alums. So I guess basically, the man was talented. He was. He would definitely have had, I think he has the most impressions out of any cast member. I mean, he certainly has a lot. So some of his notable ones are um, Eugene, the anal retentive chef. <laughs> and it's just like a funny description. Like, I got this character, guys. He's a chef. And he's super anal retentive. Um <laughs> And then also, probably most notably, his Bill Clinton impersonation. His Bill Clinton is very good. It's like A+. Plus. I like, I think I watched the, um, in preparation, the McDonald's. Yes! McDonald's. It's so good. It's also like such a different, you know, now we're used to like gastric bypass Clinton now. Wait, Bill Clinton had gastric bypass? Or he had some, actually, I think he had some kind of heart problem, and he, um, that's why he had to lose so much weight. Oh, but do you think he did it, like, let me cut out my neck carbs, like, <laughs> or do you think he... Maybe, maybe it was that. Okay. Maybe it was not I feel like we would have heard about that. If he got gastric bypass. He, yeah. he also wasn't that big. Sorry, I shouldn't be throwing that around. <laughs> Slander. <laughs> I did not get gastric bypass <laughs> surgery. That wasn't that good. <laughs> the female bariatric surgeon. I did not have gastric bypass relations with that woman. <laughs> this is unreasonable. <laughs> so. I think we should let Phil Hartman do the Bill Clinton yeah, impression. Yeah, maybe we should just leave that. I mean, we're pretty good, but. It's like he's probably number one and we're like two and three. I Definitely. So, but so anyway, I looked at a lot of lists. Like you have Rolling Stone and, you know, so many lists. And he's definitely up there. He's like always, always top ten, if not top five. Yeah. And I think it's probably just because of his range, um, able to cover so much in terms of impersonations. Yeah. So he's talented and therefore... Uh, we we hold him in high regard. I agree. Also, I think he's interesting because he's, despite being crazy talented, as we've just established, he seemed like a really down-to-earth guy and not very Hollywood. Um, so that's why a sensational domestic killing like like his sounds so obscure. Right. Like, think if, you're nec- think if that situation happened to your next-door neighbor. It would blow your mind. Right. And that's kind of, I think, the vibe that was associated with him because 
despite being super famous and being on TV, he seemed really chill and down right. to earth. Right. I think that's because he kind of came to fame later in life as an adult because he started out in a different career. And also, he was not the kind of celebrity that you heard about having crazy parties, getting arrested. So the, the whole, you know, his murder came as a huge shock. Yeah, that's true. You never heard scandalous goings on. Filled with Phil Hartman. <laughs> yeah, no. so, so the fact that drugs and domestic violence and murder all popped up together. Right. Just, like, mind-blown. Yes. Um. So in terms of... I hate to use the phrase standard domestic violence because that's a disturbing phrase. Yeah. But um, his death flipped the stereotypical domestic violence script because the man was victimized by the woman. Right. It's just uh, um, an abnormal script for that type of scenario and therefore piques our interest. Yeah. It is unusual. Yeah. I mean, so... I mean, my husband really pisses me off when he wants to go to bed mid-argument, which is exactly what Phil Hartman did to Bryn. Bryn, enough. I'm going to bed. I get really angry when my husband does that to me, but I guess when you're cocaine-fueled, shit goes down? I think so. Okay. Okay. Also interesting are the stories that came out after the fact of his friends apparently not being huge fans of his wife, Bryn. An example, when Phil Hartman told his friend, actress Cassandra Peterson, in 1987 that he planned to propose to Bryn, Peterson's uh, instinct was to say, oh God, no. (laughs) So Hartman... Can you you imagine? Yeah, like... I, I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna propose. It's happening. Oh no! <laughs> like so. Sometimes people I know think that in their mind. Yeah. And some people say they're getting married, but when your friend actually says it out loud to you, it must be like that overwhelming. Right. Yeah. To to propel the each letter <laughs> out of her mouth. Like you really can't keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And like that's that's not a good sign. So after that happened, he said, get out of my office, and the two did not speak for years afterwards. Peterson said about it, it's the first time and I think the last time I ever saw him angry. Wow. So if he's, like, notoriously not a hothead and got so angry about her reaction to his proposed proposal, (laughs) then I don't know. Like, do you think that he knew? Or do you think that he just loved her so much that that really offended him? I think it's option B, especially because, like, that's something that, so you want to tell people and you really only expect a positive response. And it, it is a pretty harsh criticism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. I'd be mad if I were him, but I also wouldn't. Yeah, another another example, when Phil and Bryn's son, Sean, was born, his former wife, he had been married once before, um, his wife, Lisa, sent congratulations via a card, a greeting card, to the couple. Um, and in return, she got a death threat from Bryn. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Any chance that's, like, postpartum? Yes. Yes. And your emotions are all sorts of on a roller coaster. Uh-huh. However... You have the time to compose and mail a death threat <laughs> mid-newborn? 
Like, I'd just be like... That's some commitment. I need a nap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... That's crazy. <laughs> All right, so... Also interesting, um, all sorts of blame games that happened after this. So defend um, defenders of Bryn were quick to say, well, she never would have done this if she wasn't on cocaine. Thoughts? Um, I think that's a tough one as substances do change our behavior significantly. People are, you know, that's kind of the uh, litmus test for substance abuse is that people do things that are kind of out of their normal Mm -hmm. personality traits. Um, But she also did have bipolar disorder. I think there were mental health issues there, yes. Or that she was on, that she was on Zoloft. She was on Zoloft. So that was another, she was on a sample of Zoloft, I think. So another, another, um... A mode of blame was the the psychiatric med that she was on, right? Not just the street drug that she was on, right? I don't think that that's. I think what she did, you know, it is very horrible, and clearly, she once after she murdered her husband, she felt a lot of remorse about it, and I mean, we're assuming, and that's why she killed herself. Um, you know what she did, uh, ended up being something life-altering for her and her family and, you know, everyone involved. But whether or not she would have done it if she wasn't on cocaine, I think that's kind of a cop-out. Like, it's an easy way to say to remove blame from that person. Yeah. So, it was, we talked about this, it was her brother who opened a wrongful death lawsuit against Pfizer, who's the manufacturer of Zoloft. Right. Which there have been cases of if uh, someone who has bipolar disorder is prescribed Zoloft, sometimes it can increase their manic symptoms. Um... Unfortunately, that's not something that we can really know in retrospect about whether or not that's what was happening. For sure, any kind of mental illness combined with a stimulant, I'm not definitely not trying to say that that's a recipe for someone to be violent, um, let alone homicidal. But I think I don't think it's just the cocaine. Okay. All right. Um, I think this is also interesting because in one night two children were left parentless. Wow. Which is also really sad. Yeah. And and the fact that one parent took the other away from the children. Right. Took both, really, away from the children. It's just really sad. And, I mean, we're attracted to the tragedy. That's one of the so. premise of this podcast. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to us. Um, in Phil Hartman's will... He provided money for his children, Sean and Bergen. Uh, to what a me. name. I know. So my daughter watches Trolls every day. <laughs> Did you ever watch Trolls? I have one song from the soundtrack on my workout playlist. Oh, okay. Is it that Justin Timberlake? Yes. Can't Stop the Feeling? No, 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 no. The one with Gwen Stefani. Well, which one is that? So what you working with? Show me, show me. I've seen this movie 23 days in a row, Liz. I know all the songs. <laughs> anyway, the 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 uh, creatures that want to eat the trolls are called Bergens. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think the the human Bergen predated the the troll Bergen. 
So what you're saying is <laughs> Phil Hartman's daughter was not named after the troll character. The troll villain. Yes. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> so anyway, he stipulated that they would be given money periodically over the course of their lives like a trust yeah okay oh oh that's what that's called yeah (laughs) not like i have one (laughs) (laughs) if and only if a bachelor's degree was obtained from a four-year university accredited by the western association of schools and colleges or some comparable nationally recognized organization so specific so specific what do you think about that? So I've like, first of all, I love the foresight that he didn't want his kids to go to a for-profit college, like to sales <laughs> university. Smart. <laughs> Those things are a scam. Um, so I think that's really, first of all, it's good he had a will. It's yes. good that he thought about that ahead of time. However, what if the kids wanted to like, you know, can't wait if you want to go to trade school. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> That's a completely it's, profitable, yeah. legitimate career. It's my passion in life to be an electrician, but I can't because my dad won't give me any money unless I go to college. You want me to major in economics. Like, <laughs> that sucks. I mean, I think overall. Yes. And I don't know if you can change that in retrospect, mm. but like. Do they or really- just like get like a business degree, business administration, and then then go to trade school. And then you're like. I'm an electrician who knows all this shit about business. <laughs> beep, boop, 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 beep. <laughs> I'm going to open my own electricity business. Oh, what's it called? Electricity business? Yeah, call me. <laughs> I got that electricity business. I got my MBA. With this Phil Hartman money. <laughs> and I went to electrician school. <laughs> God, no, actually, that is really useful. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's great advice. Um, anyone who does that after listening to this podcast, uh, 10%. <laughs> Um, but anyway interesting that he had the foresight to basically still parent his kids well after being gone right that also kind of makes me more sad (laughs) oh like damn he was a good dad yeah um i creeped hard on bergen's instagram in preparation for this podcast recording meg always has the receipts (laughs) let me just pull out all my receipts here um so uh not at all digital they're just paper um i think bergen had a drug problem and i know that's like really like really rude of me to like say because i couldn't find much info on this except for looking at her instagram like i googled bergen Harmon drugs and like i didn't really get anything but on her instagram she had posts referencing her sober anniversary Hmm. So I feel like if it's coming straight from the source about so happy I'm two years sober, yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. But that's interesting to me um, because of the whole argument that your genetics predispose you to drug problems. Mm-hmm. Source of contention in the psychological community, whether or not it's a learned behavior or it's something that is genetic. I think it's both, honestly. I feel really bad, like, outing... <laughs> I didn't out her drug. Look, she has a public Instagram. Yeah. Make that private if you don't want me to talk about it. (laughs) On a podcast. (laughs) And obviously, well, you know, being two years sober is something to be be proud of, period. absolutely. So. Commendable. I think it's better, it's always better if you can be um, more open about the things that you struggle with. Yeah. 
So that just um, piqued my interest a little bit because of the yeah ongoing theories that, uh, you know, genetics play a part into that type of behavior. It makes sense. Okay. Also interesting about Phil Hartman's death to me is the resulting feud between John Lovitz and Andy Dick. Do tell. At a New Year's Eve party at the Hartman's home in 1997, the actor's news radio co-star Andy Dick may have given Bryn cocaine. Dick says he doesn't recall the oh witnesses. My God, of course he doesn't recall. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Oh, I don't know. Um, he says he doesn't recall the witnesses saw the two of them locking themselves in the bathroom at one point, hmm. which either they ate some bad hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> Had to take care of that. The shrimp cocktail was not fresh. Or they were doing coke. Right. Right. That's usually where people go to the bathroom together. Yes. In 1997 especially. Yes. <laughs> not like the ladies room at the movie theater. Um. So Hartman's close friend John Lovitz, believing that Andy Dick did give Bryn drugs, harbored a hatred for Andy Dick for 10 years that erupted into an altercation at the Laugh Factory in West Hollywood in 2007, and when John Lovitz picked Andy up by the head and smashed him into the bar four or five times. Oh my god, what the fuck? Can you picture John Lovitz doing that? Yeah, because Andy <laughs> Dick is a... Who doesn't want to like do I can that? picture my grandma smashing Andy Dick's head into a... <laughs> Everyone wants to do Everyone that. Everyone wants to do it. He just did it. Good on you, John Lovitz. Thanks. An American hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i believe it okay that's crazy but i believe it it's also crazy that like 10 years later it remains so heightened mm-hmm. and emotional for him that it it generated that kind of response 10 years later well he then he must really think that that's why yeah for sure all right everyone that's all we got bye <laughs> <laughs> Want to let us know what you think about Phil Hartman, this podcast, or let us know which celebrity death you can't get over? Email your feedback to hollywoodpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please be sure to review and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And thank you for listening to this episode of Hollyweird. Follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Podcast to stay current with show updates. And join us next time for the first installment of the Flesh and Blood trilogy, where we look at the deaths of parent and child. Up first, the death of a stripper turned model turned fallen reality star and her son. Liz, you got any of that trim spa? It's Britney, bitch.